0: You have to understand that you're going to probably have to write a lot of offers just to get the deal that you want. Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Todd?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Still still traveling, still enjoying life. We are uh, in South Carolina, in uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. If anybody knows where that is, that's kind of by uh, Hilton Head and Charleston right in between. So uh, we're enjoying our time. We spent the weekend uh, hanging out with my brother who lives here. And a crazy uh, stat that, that we were just thinking about or talking about is he's been there for 30 years. Just crazy. Um I'm only 38 years old, so he's been there uh, since I've been eight. It's it's uh it's pretty crazy. So been been there a long time. Don't get to see him a lot. Uh, he gets back to Minnesota here and there, uh, but we thought, hey, we're we're down in Florida. Let's get up to South Carolina and spend some time with them.
1: Nice. Yeah, we'll so, be. My wife and I will be heading to Ohio to visit her family over Christmas. I uh, hear pretty soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, cool. So, anything new with you, Matt?
1: Uh, nothing new. Just trying to do some wrapping up uh, some of the goals that I had set for this year uh, to, you know, like we talked about last week, finish the uh, month out or the year out strong. Yeah. How about yeah, yourself? That's good.
0: Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. We've got a, a couple properties we're looking at, um, hoping to. We'll we'll see. Hoping to take down um, one property, we're a little uh, the seller and uh, and us are a little little far off right now. But I think I'm hoping we'll be able to, you know, meet and uh, get a deal done. Another property, um, we're just analyzing here, and, and these sellers are. I don't know about desperate, but it just doesn't fit their portfolio and, and they're trying to get out of it. And so we're going to try to make a deal uh, work with them as well. So we'll see. So we're trying to finish you know, 2020 strong. We still got a few weeks left and we're trying to make sure we finish that strong and looking forward to 2021 as well. I've got a new mastermind group that's going to be starting in 2021, by the way, anybody listening who wants to jump in on that very last minute, we do have Uh, possibility for two spots available. Um, So if you did want to join that, we do have that possibility uh, as well. They can reach out to me.
1: And I'll I'll highly recommend, uh, you know, it's an excellent mastermind. I've been participating all this year, Uh, lots of great connections and information and and personal growth.
0: You know, that's one of the cool things I think is the, the connections as well. You know, not only is it a learning environment, but it's, it's connection and that's, Highly important in this business, so making those connections and be able to do something with them, I think, is, is really really valuable. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I've got going on right now. Just trying to finish off this year strong and then make sure I'm teeing myself up for a strong 2021. And sometimes you get the, I don't know that uh, you, you, you celebrate Christmas, you know, you celebrate New Year's. Uh, It's that, uh, that lull time. And so some people get that lull several weeks before, maybe even a a week or two or whatever it is before they get that lull. Uh, Then that goes through and then all all of a sudden, like even a week or two after you're still in that little little lull time. So you got to make sure, uh, first of all, you don't get in it too early and and you get out of it quickly if it does, if it does come to you. So I uh, want to make sure we end strong and start, start strong.
1: Great. But So uh,
0: Matt, what's today's topic?
1: Yeah, today we're going to be talking about how to make offers that are successfully accepted.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so First and foremost, I think in making offers is making sure you've got good relationships and a good presentation when you're presenting that offer. So you know, relationships, we want to build strong relationships with brokers. If the broker doesn't know who you are, it's hard for them to take you serious, right? So especially when we're talking commercial multifamily and commercial multifamily, you don't just jump into you know the car of the real estate agent and they drive you around and show you everything that's on the MLS and then and then you make an offer All right in commercial multifamily you're dealing with the broker who's got a relationship with the seller and that's the broker you're actually dealing with is the listing broker and a lot of stuff might be off market but they still have a relationship with the seller they have permission to show the building they have permission to you know present offers and that's who you're actually creating that relationship with that's who you're putting your offer through typically you're not you know just looking and finding any realtor and they're representing you that's traditionally not what's going on here so that's first and foremost we want to create good strong relationships Beyond broker relationships, of course, we want lending relationships, property management relationships, and so on, Um, uh, attorney relationships, title company relationships.
1: Yeah. In order for somebody to want to do business with you, they have to know, like, and trust you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you need to know the market, need to know the neighborhood, need to have seen, in my opinion, seen the building or Not necessarily seeing the building, I guess. If you have a really strong relationship and know the building uh, and understand what's going on, it's okay to put a preempt offer in, but knowing that you're going to be at the property uh, before the offer is accepted. And if it's in a fully marketed position, I think that seeing the building is really important.
1: And part of knowing the market is knowing the rehab costs that it'll take uh, to get the, the property up to what you want.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Knowing the rehab costs uh, is huge. We have to understand what's going on. Cause look, again, this broker, these brokers oftentimes have one opportunity to sell a property. All right. So if they bring a buyer and the buyer doesn't close on the property, then what happens? Well, they maybe don't get another opportunity. Some other broker comes in and they get an offer and it actually closes. I can that's a huge commission right let's say they're charging three or four percent of the purchase price and it's a 10 million dollar purchase that's big that's a big number that that's that that hurts so if they don't close that deal because of you you know you cost them i don't know 400k 300k whatever it might be and, that, and that's a big blow to to them. And so they want to make sure they're bringing in people that they feel like can actually close on the deal. And that's really important. So before we even think about presenting our offer, we need to make sure we're to that point where they know, like, and trust us, as you said.
1: Yep. And if uh, you've never closed any deals of the kind that you're looking at, uh, it helps to partner with somebody who has
0: Yeah, absolutely. It always helps bringing in a strong team. And even if they're, let's say, uh, more on the consultant range, uh, Matt, if you, let's say, I know you're looking into some new markets and let's just say you find a property there, uh, having a strong backer behind you is going to be important, right? And just, and and it doesn't need to necessarily mean they're going to be 50, 60, 70%, 80% owner, maybe they're 10% owner, maybe they're 20% owner, um, whatever it is, but you need to have them part of your team or it's a, it's valuable to have them as a part of your team. Once you close that one deal, that very first deal that you close, you're going to be taken seriously. So that first deal my opinion, it's okay to give up a decent amount in that first deal because we know that the second, third, and fourth deal will be taken a lot more seriously. We're gonna get a little bit better deals. Um, you know, we we don't have to worry about it as long as we did it right, the first deal, right? If we if we you know negotiate and and uh our are, are you know try to retrade and it's uh, just a pain to deal with well then we probably won't get another deal or we'll have a, a struggle to get that second deal but if we're easy to deal with uh, we're okay
1: yeah and what sort of things are are they looking for you know and you know for example like a, a quicker close uh, higher prices that sort of stuff makes your deal or your offer stronger
0: yeah. So it's, you know, obviously competitive offer it depends on, it depends on the market, quite frankly, Matt. Um, when, when we're looking at a market that I don't even want to say it's not hot, but when, you know, I know like a market like Dallas, Texas, for instance, um, hard money day one there, there you're expected to put a good chunk of hard earnest money day one. So meaning, the day that the seller and you sign the purchase agreement, you have, let's call it, I don't know, 5% of the purchase price. That that earnest money is lost if you back out of the deal. So, And, and maybe after the due diligence, the remaining 5%, so 10% total becomes uh, hard. If you want to be really strong, you do the whole ten percent right up front, you know. So all of a sudden, if you're making a ten million dollar offer, maybe a hundred thousand dollars is hard day one, right? Other markets like um, you know, Lexington, Kentucky, even even Tampa, Florida. I was talking with the brokers in Tampa, Florida. That that doesn't happen very often. So it depends on where you're at, what region you're in. You that's conversations you want to have with brokers um what makes what's what are the competitive offers um doing that's making them stand apart to get the deals and if they're saying hey earnest money needs to be hard day 1 well be prepared earnest money needs to be hard day 1 now you can do a few things to try to protect yourself you can preempt a lot of the due diligence you can you know get a lot of the documents up front you want to be uh, definitely more diligent in your initial walkthrough. And then as they accept the LOI, the letter of intent, you want to make sure you get back to the property and, and get into as much as humanly possible. Because there's always like a week to two week time frame between the acceptance of the letter of intent and the negotiations on the purchase and sale agreement. Typically, it seems like it takes two weeks, sometimes even longer. So you do have some time there before that earnest money um, needs to be deposited. So, um, you know, the, the other thing is short due diligence, you know, typical due diligence is 30 to 45 days. Well, if you want to be super competitive, uh, make it a shorter due diligence, just make sure you can actually do proper due diligence. If you can't, well, then you're putting your, yourself and your investors in a really poor position. Right. Um, of course larger earnest money instead of 10%, you could put 20, 25, 30%. You know, I, 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 there was a deal here in the twin cities. This is a while ago. Um, but they, uh, I believe the sales price was 12 million and they did $3 million in earnest money. Um, so pretty, pretty sizable amount, right. They, they put $3 million earnest money down and I believe, uh, a really strong portion. I can't remember the exact number, but a really strong portion of it. Maybe it was all of it even uh, was hard day one. This was about five or five years ago. Um, no financing contingency, of course, uh, that's pretty typical right now. And this market is, is most uh, mostly you're not going to get away with putting a financing contingency. It's strong enough in pretty much every market that I know of at least um, where you can't say a financing contingency. Now if things do soften up and multifamily struggles here, you'll start seeing that come back where where we'll say, hey, you know we got 45 day due diligence and 45 day after that for financing and we've got a financing contingency. If our financing doesn't come through, we get our earnest money back. but that's not happening today. Um, of course, quick closings always always helps, you know, if you can close in 60 days or less. Uh, and of course the last thing is cash which most of us don't have or or a lot of times doesn't make sense to bring you know 10 20 30 million dollars cash but you know if you're buying a smaller property and it's distressed being able to buy it with you know let's, let's call it a million dollars in cash bring your investors in and buy it cash that that makes a strong a strong offer and a lot of times you can get a not a massive discount, I would say, in a competitive market like this, but you, you might be able to get a, a little bit of a discount.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I know with smaller deals, like the cash doesn't have to necessarily be cash. It could be money from uh, another HELOC or a business line of credit or something like that.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be cash that you have on hand and you're sitting near your piggy bank. Um, but again, it could be from investors. It could be from a HELOC. It could be You know, there's a lot of different ways you can get the cash uh, to buy the, to buy the asset. So yeah, it doesn't have to be just sitting there in your, in your bank account today.
1: Yep. So you, you know, you make an offer, usually how, how much time in between when you see a deal, uh, would you make the LOI? Well,
0: again, it's, it's, it's property specific and it depends on if it's off market or it's fully marketed, You know, if it's fully marketed, sometimes you can pre, excuse me, sometimes you can preempt um, so you can get your offer early. Uh, Other times the seller just wants to go fully through the marketing process. And so, you know, shoot, it might be, you might see it for the first time in, in, you know, December 14th. And call for offers might not be until January 31st. You know, it's just the reality. So right we got a long time, right? We can look at the, all the financials, we can take a tour, we can relook at the financials, we can get the next you know next month's financials and then and then we can get our LOI in. And other times it, it's a you know off market deal and we want to act as quickly as possible. So we want to gather our information as quickly as we can. We want to get that offer in. I would say on a deal like that, again, it's it's communication with your broker, knowing your broker, but and it's it's a conversation. It's a, you know, hey, thanks for sending this over to me. I'm going to take a look at it. How quickly do you want me to have an answer back to you? If the broker says, "Look, you got to you got to get on this fast. Um, this is going to go quick." Well, you better get on it fast. You, that better be you know same day or next day. But if the broker's like, well, look, I mean, you're, you're the only one looking at it. Uh, how about you take the rest of the week uh, and get back to us? Well, that's fine. Then, then do that. So really depends on what it is. We're looking at a deal right now. It's a lot of hair on it. Um, you know, and we've been looking at it for probably two weeks already uh, and just put our LOI in on Friday last week. So it, it really depends on, on what's going on. But the quicker, the better, honestly.
1: And under which circumstances would you submit your underwriting model along with your offer? Yeah.
0: Um, you know, personal preference, I guess. Uh, but I, I would say I'd be more apt to send it if my offer is drastically lower, right? If, if I'm, maybe the seller wants... $15 million. And it, to me, it's worth 12.75. Well, I'm pretty far off, right? I and mean, I'm talking with the broker and I'm like, look, I'm, mean, we're interested in this property. We really like it. But you know, 15 million just doesn't work, unfortunately. And you know, here's why. And I'm going to send you the underwriting and take a look at it and let me know what I'm missing, if, if I'm missing anything. That, that's a good reason to do that. Um, I, yeah. So I would say if you're if you're just quite a ways off, but you still like the property, um, or you have questions too, then then you want the the broker to look at, or you just want to build help build a relationship. You know, so uh, that's it's kind of a kind of personal preference when you send your underwriting in. But I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to do it. I don't think it's it's a bad thing. What I typically take off of my underwriting is all my investor profits um, you know, super, uh, you know, I'm never super aggressive, but if you're trying to show aggressive underwriting, uh, I I would, I would take that off, you know, optimistic underwriting, whatever you want to show. You know, some people have an extra spreadsheet that they'll show optimistic underwriting. I would take that off and I would just show my conservative underwriting to show that to the broker.
1: Yep. And that makes sense.
0: Look, Matt, a, a lot of brokers actually understand like they just got a seller that wants to sell it for 15 million. They understand and believe that it's worth 12.5 million. You know, so you're coming in and you're saying, look, it's worth 12.5. And they're like, yeah, I get it. I know. But if you show the underwriting, they can take that to the seller and go, look, this is what my buyers are showing me. You're going to have to come down on your expectations. Sometimes that works. Now, not always, but sometimes that works and they come down on their expectations. Now, maybe they're not going to come all the way down to your expectations, but they'll loosen up a little bit. So it helps the broker, helps build a relationship. Oftentimes you're still not going to get the property, but it's not always about that one property, right? It's about the opportunity to buy property.
1: And how do you handle it when a seller comes back with a counter offer?
0: Um, well, depends on what it is, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, well, first of all, we're not coming. We're not. We're rarely ever coming with our best offer. Rare, rarely ever coming with our best offer. Um, so we've always got some wiggle room to be able to negotiate because people just like to negotiate. Investors mm-hmm. like to go. I like to negotiate. I mean, people like to do this. So you, typically, you're coming with a little bit lower offer. Until so you've got some room, um, but I'm going to hold fairly tight to my original offer, and, and I, I'm not usually lowballing to come in. So I'm not coming in. Let's just say my underwriting says I can pay ten million. Um, the seller wants twelve. I'm going to come in at maybe 9.5, nine point five, nine point seven, depends on what the competition's like. Maybe this is being shopped around a lot. Maybe I will come in at 9.8, 9.9. So I don't have a lot of wiggle room. Um, so I'm not going to come in though, even if, even if it's not being shopped at all, even if the broker is telling me I'm the only one looking at this, I'm not going to come in at $8 million, you know, $7 million. I'm going to come in close to where my numbers say my numbers say I'm at 10. Well, I'm probably coming in anywhere between 9.5 and 9.9 million. Uh, gives me a little bit of wiggle room, not a ton. The, the, uh, let's say the seller, uh, let's just say they want 11, because if they, if they want 12, we're quite a bit off. But let's say they want 11. Maybe they counter at you know 10.5, and I started at 9.5. I'm going to come up to you know 9.7. You know, I'm only going to come up a little bit. I'm going to leave some space there and I'm going to incrementally come up just, just slight. I'm, I'm, I very rarely will meet in the middle type of thing. Cause I, I don't, I just, I don't like that. <laughs> I think that's, uh, I don't think that's a competitive advantage for you to meet them in the middle, maybe towards the end, meet the meeting them in the middle when they've already come down to you you know so let's say then we i counter at 9.7 they counter at you know 10.2 okay now i could maybe meet them in the middle right because now they've come down quite a bit now they're closer to where i need to be so
1: sounds like you've read the book never split the difference (laughs) i
0: have but i've been doing that (laughs) (laughs) from, from the start
1: excellent book by the way
0: yeah
1: so i know a lot of investors with uh, who focus on smaller stuff uh, you know single family duplexes that kind of stuff they prefer more of a shotgun approach where they just throw out like a, just a ton of low ball offers mm. and waiting for stuff to catch but it seems like with larger commercial properties that's going to be a, a bad approach because you're going to burn some bridges with brokers
0: yeah i, I don't think i don't think that's a good approach i mean i think you have to understand that you're going to probably have to write a lot of offers just to get the deal that you want. You know, you, you're going to have to, it's still the same game, right? You still write hundred to 200 offers before you get one offer accepted. I mean, and maybe you're not writing all of those offers. Maybe there's, you know, you're, but you're going to have to look at at least, you know, hundred to 200 deals bef- before you actually get a deal. So it's still the same game, but if you're just throwing in offers, Look, the, here, the difference between single family and multifamily, single family, there's so many different brokers and there's not one or two or five or 10 brokers that control the market. There, I mean, there's so many real estate agents out there in single family that you can't, it's hard to burn bridges. There's just so many people and sending in low ball offers, they get low ball offers all the time. So you don't, you don't look like an idiot where when we're talking about these multifamily Depending on the size of your market, there's going to be anywhere from one to maybe ten. I don't know one market that has ten brokers that are, you know, really selling a lot of deals. So most markets, there's you know, let's call it five five main brokers in that market. Well, you want to be careful. You want to make sure you don't burn the bridges. So yeah, we don't want to be throwing in a bunch of lowball offers on their properties and. Getting laughed out the door every single time you think they're going to send you their off market deal, knowing that they just, they just, you know, they look at the names and they look at your name and they go, okay, well, this, the seller wants 12 million, which is a great, you know, that's, that's where it should sell. I, I know Todd's going to offer six, you know, or, or eight or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm not even going to send them that deal. Maybe I'll send them if nobody else wants to buy it, but. I'm not going to send them that deal. So yeah, you you, you want to be careful. You can't you can't burn bridges in, in the multifamily commercial world. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. One of the one of the other things, Matt, that I think is really valuable when you're presenting offers, especially on off market deals, but even even marketed deals, you you might be inclined to do this is giving a couple different options. So. I might offer a full, you know, let's let's say I'm going to offer four million dollars, um, and that's a that's a a cash offer. Not, not we're not paying cash, but it, we're buyers obtaining new financing, right? So they're the sellers getting their full four million dollars, and, and maybe the sellers asking four point two five. Okay, so we offer four. We're a bit under their asking price, but maybe we do a second option where we offer some seller financing. It could be all kinds of different options for seller financing, but maybe we're giving them four point two five. So we're giving them their asking price, but we're saying, look, the seller's going to provide us financing of four million dollars. Um, we're going to, you know, put the two hundred thousand dollar or two hundred fifty thousand dollar down payment goes to the seller. And maybe we're putting some money on an escrow account and, and that money's accessible by the seller. If we default, uh, that, that money can be used for improvements. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of compa- uh, you know, good ways we can do it. Maybe we'd give them a 10% down. Maybe we give them a 20% down. You know, we have different terms, but there's options that we can do. So I like coming to the table, uh, especially on the off-market deals. And, and every deal is different, right? We don't we don't need to necessarily do the options if we know that there's zero possibility that the seller would do seller financing, uh, or if they're distressed and they just couldn't do seller financing. Well, then why even come to the table with it? But oftentimes I, I will put that in there. Might have two options. Might even have three options with seller financing type. You know, type deals. Maybe maybe even four. You know, maybe I've got just the regular purchase and then just the seller option seller financing options. So that that gives me, in my opinion, a little bit of an advantage that they the seller can see I'm I'm being flexible and I want to get this deal done. I'll explain those financing options so they can completely understand it. It's it's hard sometimes to understand the financing seller financing. So we want to make sure we have enough details on that. So that might be an additional page that spells it out, shows them, you know, maybe, maybe even a a little graph or spreadsheet so they can see what their, what their payments are and that type of stuff. So I think that's really valuable.
1: And they can feel a little bit more in control uh, because they have a menu of options that, that they're deciding the path to take.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had several, several sellers on deals that I've done that have accepted seller financing gladly gladly accepted seller financing because they've seen the profit of that seller financing and they like that opportunity they they actually you know like one guy he was retiring he liked the cash flow um but the property was kind of in distressed mode because he hasn't been hadn't been Paying attention to it. Now he owned it cash, so he was still cash flowing, but not as well as what he could be. Well, when I offered seller financing and showed him the breakdown of the payment, that his cash flow on that was actually better than the cash flow he was getting. And he had he was a, it was going to be a completely hands off approach. It was for him it was a no brainer to be able to accept that. And he actually took a a shave on the on the sale price. Because of seller financing, hmm. so sometimes, sometimes we always think we have to offer more. I actually offered less with seller financing, so I got the I got the property for. We had negotiated, and so so this one was a little different. We had already negotiated a purchase price, and he was only willing to go down to four point, or sorry, four hundred and forty five thousand dollars on this property, and. I said, well, look, it's going to be next to impossible for me to get financing. Um, let's do seller financing. And I explained the deal to him. And I said, I need you, though, to come down to four point, or $435,000. And after he looked at everything, he said, okay, let's do it. Hmm. So, it actually got me the property for $10,000 less than otherwise. No. Oh.
1: You know, another benefit uh, as you well are aware of uh, seller financing for the seller is that it avoids a big capital gains bill uh, because they're spreading their profits over time instead of one big lump sum.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So I, um, what else on,
0: on making offers? I mean, I, I, I think the important part is that communication is, is really important that you communicate with the brokers they're going to be the ones that are bringing the deals to you, and, and you want to make sure that you're communicating with them quickly, um, that you're talking to them about the deals. And, and quite frankly, Matt, sometimes there is a case to put in the the lowball offer, uh, especially on these properties that are listed. You know, these brokers go to their their sellers when they're giving them their their broker opinion of value, the BOV, telling these um, sellers like, look, uh, we're going to market it. Here's our marketing package. Here's what we're going to do. And we're going to get you uh, between you know 10 and 15 offers. Uh, expect that. And so if you come, you look at the property and you like it, but you, look, you're at 10 million and the, the broker says it's going to sell for 13.5, well, you're super far off. It's just not going to work. But a lot of times I'll talk with the broker and go, look, I'm at, I'm at like 10 million. I, I know it's not going to work. Do you want me to, I can, I can put the LOI and I can write it up real quick. if That helps you out. And sometimes um, a lot of times they'll say, no, that's okay. Don't worry about it. But sometimes they'll say, yeah, that actually helps me out. And so, so, you know, so there is a reason for that, that helps them out. So your offer might come in at 10 million. You know, obviously it's not going to get accepted. This is going to get thrown away, looked at and the seller's going to go, "Oh, this offer's terrible." But it it counts, right? Because he said I'm going to get you 10 to 15 offers. So it's it's one of those 10 to 15 offers and it counts and so you kind of did the broker a favor uh, by doing that. And now, again, it, it the brokers, I would talk with the broker. I wouldn't just put it in, right? I would talk mm-hmm. with the broker and tell him like, look, here's what's going on. And would you like me to put in an offer? Does it make sense? Does it help you out? Uh, if he says he or she says yes, well then then do it. You're helping that relationship.
1: Nice. Oh, so, well, awesome. great information all around.
0: Yeah. Well, Do you have anything to add? No, not today. Awesome, Matt. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday. Thanks, you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, so I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VenturedProperties.com, VenturedProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free, I'm not expecting anything from it.